0: Hello and welcome! You're listening to Start Again with Shauna Lee, the place where you will be reminded that it's never too late and you're never too old to do the damn thing. So stick around if you're ready to vibe higher and be inspired to chase your dreams. Together we will uncover your soul's truest desires. Now if you're ready, let's get started. Well, hello everyone and welcome back to another Start Again with Shauna Lee episode. Today I'm introducing you to my new Australian friend, Kylie. Hi. Kylie, thank you for no, joining thank me. Thank
1: you so much for uh, having me um on your podcast.
0: Absolutely. I just I can never get enough meeting amazing women and hearing their stories and all about the amazing things they're doing in the world. So I am so grateful that you agreed to come
1: on and be a part of the show. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm excited to learn and share and grow because that's how we go further, isn't it? When we go together. It is.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I um, grew up in a world where I saw a lot of women bashing women and pulling each other down. And, and so I very much wanted to see a different world and be a part of creating a different world. So I love that now I'm getting the opportunity to lift other women up and help them share their stories. For sure. um, so why don't you start by giving us a little bit of an intro to who you mm-hmm. are, and what you do in this world. And specifically, how have you embraced this idea of starting again?
1: Uh, so, oh my goodness. So um, my name mm-hmm. is Kylie Liura and I'm born and raised in Brisbane, Australia. And uh, so throughout my life, I've probably started over more times than I can actually count <laughs> if I'm really, really, truly really honest. But the last probably eight to 10 years have been really quite pivotal uh, starting over. And there's been a couple of things to that. So my background is in education. So I started off uh, being a teacher. And when I was growing up, I always wanted to be a music teacher. Apparently, you have to have musical talent for that. That ruled that out. <laughs> um, apparently, it's a prerequisite. Um, rude. Um, then I wanted to be a PE teacher, a uh, HPE teacher, but so did every other person of my generation uh, going through school. Uh, and then I had an experience where I had a, uh, went to do some work experience with young people with disabilities. And I actually left that and mm. went, yeah, no, I can't do that. And uh, however, after I kind of left, I went, you know what, I need to do this. And so one of the things that was my first probably start over one was I had a preconceived idea of where I wanted to go. And then I started over with Mm -hmm. a new change in that perspective. And I went into a class and they had eight boys in the class. And of those eight boys with disabilities, um, six of them were revived drownings. One, the doctor had uh, done the wrong thing, and only one child had been born with the disability. Oh, and wow. that was like whoa, really heavy for me as a 16-year-old kid going into this space and looking all that kind of stuff. But what I saw in that experience was uh, the opportunity to create and thrive in a life even when you're faced with these different challenges. And some of the most beautiful uh, kids that I had had gone through so much adversity and families had gone through much, so much adversity and creating a life. And that was my first part that I went, ah, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, so then I went on to have a career in education. Uh, my background is disability, complex behavior and trauma. And I worked across a, a variety of different school environments, including special schools, primary schools, secondary schools. And one of the things that I loved uh, or in that space was kids that were kind of on that precipice that their lives could go either way depending on mm-hmm. the supports that they had around them. So, again, they got to choose again. They didn't have to be defined by their disability. They didn't have to be defined by their historical behaviour. If they got the right uh, support and empowered and being able to advocate for themselves more effectively, they could actually change their lives. I went on to work in a regional office, which is what you guys call America district, uh, where I oversaw 72 schools around supporting schools to cater for diverse learners and again have that positive impact. In the last couple of years though what I noticed the last couple of years of my career I was getting increasingly frustrated that the system had kind of lost its way and forgot who it was actually serving and uh, I was you know I'm clearly a very quiet, introverted human. Um, so that often <laughs> goes yeah, can see that. <laughs> yeah, Often goes well in that advocacy space, right? And, I, and I'm and yeah. i not very good at masking my emotions and, and I do wear my heart on my sleeve around things. And so I had this increasing frustration that I wasn't able to effectively serve the people that I loved and cared about the best way. And then as uh, the universe seems to have this magical way of working, um, Apparently, I'm not very good at picking up on subtle cues as well. So I was like frustrated and I'd come home and I'd be frustrated and frustrated and frustrated. Uh, And then the universe, I injured myself uh, in 2019 and I ended up having a significant amount of time off work. Um, I had like seven MRIs. My neck looked like the hunchback of Notre Dame. Like I just had this big swelling at my back and everything like that. And, uh, you know, in the midst of my angst, because I'm a single mom of three kids as well. So I had started over <laughs> a number of times already prior to that in marriages sure. and stuff like that. And then I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And that was the universe going, Kylie, I've tried to be subtle, y- you know, not picking up what I'm putting down. So I'm going to land you on your bum uh, <laughs> until, you, until you actually you actually." As it. the universe does. Right? And, uh, you know, sometimes blonde by nature, not just by, you know, hair (laughs) colour. And so I went through this whole massive pivot and went, okay, so if I can't do this, which when I reflect, wasn't actually enjoying doing this anyway, anymore, um, what could I do? And so I looked at all the aspects of the job that I actually loved, which was empowering, building up, capacity building, advocacy, all of that kind of stuff, and turned it into a business. So then I, in the middle middle of COVID, as a single mom of three kids, I left a secure government job, six-figure government job to start my own business because that's smart, right? Uh Um, And with no support because everyone thought Uh I was mad.
0: I've done a similar thing and everyone around you looks at you like you're crazy and you're like, no, 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 I think this is the best thing ever.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't know if I thought it was the best thing ever, but I, I got to the point where I'm like, oh my gosh, there has to be something better out there than what I'm doing. Um, and so, you know, um, Gabby Bernstein talks about choose again, you have the right to choose again. So if you can look at your circumstances Absolutely. and you can go, yeah, I, I can choose again. I can, and I have kept that in the back of my mind that I always have the right to choose again. So, and I grew up in a family of workers. I didn't grow up in a family of business owners. So my parents, um, my mum worked in a bank for 50 years. My dad was a bus driver or, a, and he was also a, a welder trader, a tradesman kind of thing. Um, so it was about security, right? You had a secure job. Yes. So all of a sudden they they were a little bit concerned for me because I no longer had yes. the security. But what I did have was a passion to make an impact and change and difference. And a pivot piece for me was the fact that I wanted to be a model for my kids that if you didn't like your circumstances, you had the power to change it. Uh, 100%. And you didn't have to sit back and feel like this was um, being done to you. And we often give away our power because we feel really helpless. And I look, I absolutely have, as a single mom of three kids, gone, I have to stay in this job because it's my only source of income, right? So I have been there. And then I started to look like, okay, so if I wanted, what income would I actually need? What all of these things? So over the last three years, I started my business in the middle of COVID. And uh, word of mouth, I, I bless. I have. I'm very fortunate I haven't advertised once. Um, and I've actually got a waiting list um, for my business through word of mouth um, referrals. That's amazing. And over time that has grown. And so what I missed in uh, working in an organization for 20 years was I was so institutionalized about getting up and going to work. I actually hate working from home. Like it is like, oh my goodness, it was yuck for oh, me. I didn't like that because I miss the peopling. I get energy from being around people. So,
0: oh, I love how you said that. I missed the peopling because I went through a similar and I, I have missed the peopling. Yeah.
1: peopling's good. Like, you know, and, it and, and it, sometimes it's not even about the direct content. Sometimes it's just being a part of something. Uh, and so that was the bit that I probably struggled with. And it was so funny because my, my best friend, she's probably the only person I know that's had a business. She can work from her pajamas. Like she's, you know, that's her gem. I had to get up and get dressed and work clothes even to go to my front room because, <laughs> so I again, so yes. institutionalized into what going to work meant, right? So out of that, though, so my business was going really, really well um, and was because of my neck and my issues with my injury, I had to manage my health and well-being. So that was another thing. I liked having control over that. But then I still miss the peopling. So now the where I'm running this from today is my building that I run out of and it's close to home, but it has a co-working space downstairs. It has an event space downstairs. It has a boardroom. So people can come when they need to people uh, and connect and not feel so isolated. Some people are transitioning back into office environments. Some people don't want to be at home, don't want to be at the office, but don't know where to go. Apparently cafes don't like it when you order one cup of coffee for six hours um you know (laughs) they tend to look at you they give you the you know the eyes um so here we create a space where people can reach out collaborate and grow together whilst they're doing their own thing here so that was the second business that kind of came about and we've been running that this year as well and we've run a number of events here i run events here so again it's just that space for people to come together and then my third business is about to open up in october and it's actually 50 meters up the road in another building Uh, And that is around uh, holistic supports for uh, families and wellbeing who have maybe feeling a bit isolated and alone. And maybe they've got services, but they've got to run all over the town, or maybe they don't have services or they need services. So we're creating a platform there to run programs, but access uh, for families to get holistic supports for their own, you know, ability to move forward.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. I thought we were talking about one business and we're talking about three.
1: It's exciting.
0: And, but it has come out it of
1: me just seeing that people are struggling and going, okay, how can I help? Instead of being part well, of the problem of going, yes, oh my absolutely. gosh, this is so ridiculous. We don't have supports going, okay, yes. what, what, what supports are needed and what can I do to be a part of the solution rather than contribute to the problem?
0: this is the way the best businesses have been created is seeing a need not being met and becoming the solution and meeting the need. Yeah, it's brilliant.
1: Yeah, so, and it's really exciting.
0: Well, so when you look at your story, kind of where you started on this path to getting where you are now, owner of three businesses, what inspires you most about your story? Uh,
1: So the bit that I think inspires me the most about my story is the fact that I was the people pleaser, goodie, had to be all the things to all the people. I can reflect on my story now. And I'm not, you know, my parents did the very best that they can. Like, they're not bad people, right? But I was raised yes, on a yes. fear of upsetting people because uh, you had to do the right thing all the time. And I, I held myself back a lot from different things in life because I didn't want to be the wave maker. I didn't want to be the thing. I didn't want to do this. And in Australia, I don't know about America, but tall poppy syndrome is such a huge thing that you shouldn't talk about your successes.
0: And what did you call this? This is a new term for me,
1: tall poppy syndrome. Oh, tall poppy syndrome. Oh, let me educate you you on the Australian landscape (laughs) because it's a really big thing, right? So if you do really well, like, so I'll, I'll give you a... Right now lived experience example. I've just been nominated as woman of the year for an awards thing over here in Australia. Oh, amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. I haven't told anyone. I oh. I got the notification on Monday and I haven't put it up on my socials yet because in Australia that's considered bragging about yourself. And oh. so there's and there's still a part of me so still a work in progress. So lived example of work in progress that knows that I need to put it up because it's really important for social proofing and credibility and, and I deserve that nomination and to get to the finals, like I'm really proud of myself but there's a yeah. part of me that goes, oh, my gosh, you know, people are going to go, oh, there's Kylie just talking about herself and, oh, she thinks she's so good and that is a very prevalent thing in the Australian and New Zealand landscape is that to talk well of yourself is considered bragging and braggalicious and so, whilst in business, and when you talk about celebrate your wins and do all this stuff, mm-hmm. which is absolutely imperative for growth, right? It's it's yes. met at times in Australia with this: who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to talk about that stuff?
0: I, I had not heard the term, but I am familiar with the landscape that you just described because the same exists here. I think um, I am seeing more and more examples of people kind of pushing through that uncomfortable. I don't want people to think I'm bragging. Um, you're right. It is imperative, especially as a business Mm -hmm. owner to tout your wins and build your credibility. Um, but yeah, I think, um, everybody has a little bit of that in the back of their mind, like, Oh, what are people going to think? Yeah. The
1: imposter syndrome. Um, and, uh, there's a lady over here in Australia called Annette Dencham, and she talks about the itty bitty shitty committee in your head. Oh, (laughs) So you know that's with an the,
0: amazing, amazing term to the the mean girl that lives in our head. Yeah, yes. yeah.
1: So the itty bitty shitty committee that tells you that you shouldn't, um, because who do you think you are, kind of stuff. So yes. in terms of going back to what I'm most proud of, so um, I never planned to be a single parent. That was never the agenda. I'm a single. None of us plan for that. So I'm a single parent twice over. So I have an 18 year old and 16 year old for my first marriage, um, and I have a nearly 10 year old, aspirantly 16 year old from my second marriage. And I also so left a um, domestic violence situation um, and there was lots of stuff going on there. So what I'm proud of in terms of the biggest transformation for me personally when I was able to apply the lessons I had learned professionally into my personal life and then also my personal lessons into my professional life. Mm-hmm. So to see that even though, you know, when you go to, when you work in corporate, you're trained up in all these methodologies and all of these, you know, modalities around different things, But when you can actually piece that out and go, oh, actually, I can use that in my personal life. So leadership, I talk about leadership all the time. I'm super passionate about it. But I really come from that self-leadership model. And so modeling the way, sharing the vision. So when I'm having conversations with my kids, I'm like, okay, what am I modeling right now? Am I modeling problem solving? Am I modeling conflict resolution? Am I modeling high trust, high communication? Am I modeling psychological safety for them to hold space to challenge my ideas on things safely to get a resolution without me then being triggered by that yes but equally understanding those principles of communication and trust and relational stuff that's so important personally that apply into being an excellent leader and business person and, and all of those kind of things as well so I think that's yeah. been my huge learning in that space
0: oh my gosh I uh, think I'm proud of that's an amazing answer to a question that I've asked many many times um I also am a single mom I've been divorced three times and I have four children. I've got the bigs and I've got the littles. And um, yeah, I think all of that resilience that comes from, I want to show my children what it looks like to stand back up after we've been knocked down, that comes from rebuilding your life after divorce, um, especially if you've done it more than once. Um, mm-hmm. yeah it's incredible and when we can apply those lessons to business I think it makes mm-hmm. us this a stronger leader
1: as a result absolutely and and Glennon Doyle in her books untamed says my children don't need me to save them they need to watch me save myself yes
0: I've and not read that still book gives me goosebumps. yet I I love that I love her I've been following
1: her on social media for a long time um, I haven't read the book yet but I it's definitely on my list but that too, like, so for me, they don't need me to say, they don't need me to say them. They need to watch me say myself. So what am I modeling for them? Because exactly. if I can model how to dig myself out of a hole, then if they're ever in a hole, they're going to know how to do that. Um, instead and even if they don't know how it.
0: to do it, they'll know that it's possible because
1: they saw yes. you do it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and it was like my job, instead of coming home and being a cranky mum all the time, I went, you know what, I actually don't like, the version of myself that I'm showing up as in this environment. Yeah. And I've tried to change the environment a number of times. The government, you know, situation, at this particular point of time is not conducive to that. So I can either be this person that's going to whinge and moan about the system or yes. take back control and take, walk back into my power and go, okay, well, what can I do differently? Because that's in my control, right? So right. the government policy at that point was not in my control but how I show up is in my control. So I want to keep reminding them of that. But that's the same, you know, and that's one of those personal professional things. So my children don't need me to save them. My workers don't need me to save them. They need to watch me save myself. So what am I modelling into this organisational space also that allows my staff to feel comfortable and safe and supported to do the work because they're seeing me do the work, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, each time you have dug yourself out of a hole there's a lesson there Um, and so when you look back on your journey and all of these lessons what do you think is the common theme for you
1: the common theme for me is that um, it's that above the line stuff is that ownership accountability responsibility for self but also separating so when we talk about that above the line model of leadership it was designed for people that weren't owning their own crap that's, that's what I fundamentally believe. It was designed to say, you actually need to own this and you need to take accountability for this. I think when you are a people pleaser, one of the propensities you have is to own everybody's crap and go, oh, it's all my fault. It's all my, it's all my stuff to fix, right? So my, my biggest thing is always comes back to self-awareness. How self-aware am I being in this moment? What am I observing in myself? What do I need to own? but equally what's mine not to own oh just uh, as powerful and, for sure yeah because it is it's very easy for me as and, and many people pleasers out there to go oh my gosh it's all my fault and then the answer is is it though right you know sure you you know if you're a contributor to the situation you have a part to play but what is yours to own and what is yours not to own and what's in your control and what's out of your control and focus on what's in your control because we get so caught up in the what's not actually in our control. Like, you know, I was talking to a client the other day and she goes, if my ex-husband did this and I said, yeah, but you're actually not in control of whether or not he does that or not. Right. Oh, it's so true. What are you in control of though? You are in control of your communication. You are in control of this. You're in control of that. But it's the same in leadership. You know, if my staff just did this and this and this, okay. So what is yours to own in helping them get to that piece? Yeah, absolutely.
0: I love the, um, the ex husband um, Cause that one, I think it's, it can be one of the more frustrating things and every scenario professionally or personally is the same, right? You have to yeah. figure out what is yours to own. What do you actually have control over? I, I teach a co-parenting course. And one of the things I, I say is to stay in your lane and it's this whole car analogy, but the idea is you, you stay in your lane and you own what's yours, take responsibility for what is yours. but you don't try to dictate or control what's happening in someone else's car and someone else's lane. Like that's not your lane. You stay in your lane.
1: hundred percent. And I, and I often talk about added to that analogy, I guess, you know, what's the outcome we're seeking in this circumstance, situation, conversation, exactly. you know, so what's the destination we're getting there. Um, and then, so we have to have a vision of where we're going. So if the goal is to, I don't know, get this particular outcome, then, you know, is is the way that I'm, if I'm driving as a reckless driver on the pathway to that destination, you know, swooping into somebody else's lane and doing all this kind of stuff, am I actually going to get to that outcome intact? Right? Yes. So what, what do I need to do? So, you know, and that's the part where you've got to take your responsibility. So if you, if the ultimate goal is this, but on the way you're aggressive and you're yelling and screaming and name calling and stuff like that, personally or professionally, I've seen both. Um, is that going to get you the outcome that you see? Yeah. If you, if you want Johnny to complete the project on time, is yelling at Johnny going to increase the likelihood of you getting that thing on time, you know? Yeah. So what, that's the part of that piece that I, I often focus well, on.
0: Well, and I think, um, it's helpful for, for me in those moments to kind of gain that perspective and pull back and say, okay, hold on, what's the end goal, but also specifically with an ex-husband and has been crucial to ask and to, have check-ins just to make sure we still have the same goal. Wait, what is your goal? What is the outcome you're looking for? Um, Because oftentimes we, especially as co-parenting adults rearing the same children, you do sort of have the same ultimate goal. You want your children to grow up and be happy and go out and do great things. Um, But every once in a while along the way, you have to be like, wait a second, what? what is your goal again, just to make sure you're kind of aligned and how do you align that? I I think that makes for much more conducive conversations.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, unfortunately, um, I have 100% care and 100% contact with my children. So, um, and I have a very different scenario. Well, I had the co parenting at one point, and then that kind of fell over a little bit. And, um, but again, that was one of those, what's my responsibility and what's not my responsibility to own, so I've never, ever once badmouthed their fathers to them because I don't think, again, what's the outcome? That doesn't serve yes. anybody. It's conducive because I would like them to, if they ever want to have that relationship, I want that capacity to be there. And I've always offered to facilitate that relationship. Yeah. If you're unsure, but you would like to reach out, but you're not sure how to do it, let me know. We'll do all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, one of their frustrations, obviously as kids is they feel like, um, that someone didn't care or love or you know and and I you know can can relate to that story. I was very blessed that I had a very amazing stepdad um, but my dad left my biological dad left when I was a baby and I've never known him so I mm. can I can absolutely relate to what they're feeling and never wanted that for them but here we are so but I've I've gone to okay so what tools do they need in their toolbox my kids need in their toolbox so that, if they ever want to have this conversation, they can facilitate it or they can organize or they can reach out or do all of the things that they need to do. Because unfortunately, you know, what he does is up to him. That's, that's with, with, he has to take ownership for his part to that. And if he wants to reach out, you know, whatever. Um, sure. But what I can do is give my kids the tools and the communication and the language skills to stand up for themselves and, and advocate for themselves and say, this is what I want and need right now. And, you know, again, they can't control that outcome either, but they can certainly have a control over how they show up into that conversation to set it up for success. I love that
0: analogy because
1: that's really what parenting
0: is all about, is giving our kids the tools and helping them build that toolbox that is going to allow them to mm-hmm. go overcome obstacles, overcome challenges, just navigate yeah. their way through life in the best way possible.
1: So I, I love that. I think that's brilliant. I was talking to another coach earlier this week and I loved he uh, expanded on that so lots of people talk about tools in your toolbox right and he talks about what tools do you have in your tool belt versus what do you have in your toolbox so the tool Mm -hmm. belt is the ones that you're pulling out every single day right these are the ones that are there they're your everyday tools that you use all the time to complete the things that you need and then the toolbox is some of the big hitters that maybe you don't need to pull out all the time but they're there when you need them you can pull them out and I'm like oh my gosh Wife mind blown. Yeah. That's such a great analogy. That's so good. Because that's what we want. We want a really solid tool belt with really great tools, but we want the toolbox stuff as well um, to be able to, you know, again, whether you're a kid, whether you're a parent, whether you're a leader, whether you're a CEO, whether you're a staff member that's aspiring to be something else, you know, everyone needs the same concept. Sure. Sure. Well, and when you think back to the younger you, like
0: you're just starting out and, don't have all the tools yet that you need to navigate life if you look back at her what would your advice to her be uh
1: i think the biggest piece of advice i would give her was is that uh stepping out of your comfort zone courage over comfort Brene brown stuff because oh, that's good yes the fear of messing it up has stopped me from trying more times than i can count and in actual fact when i have tried and put my heart and soul into something, a version of success has, you know, maybe it hasn't gone exactly how I wanted it, but it's been much more successful than had I not tried at all, right? I often say to people, you can't get the job you don't actually apply for. Oh, yes. So true. So at least if you put your hat in the ring, you're giving yourself half a chance to be successful. So good. So I think that's probably my biggest piece. And that own what's mine to own and not, not to own is the other part, because I was so fearful I felt like I had to own everything.
0: I, I do recall a time in my life when I was the people-pleasing version of myself. I think I grew out of that one faster than the last one that, that you just said. Like this, this whole fear of failure and stepping outside of your comfort zone. Like the, all these cliche phrases that come to mind, like nothing good ever came from comfort zones. Like you have to get out there and be uncomfortable and do it anyways and be
1: courageous and just see how it turns out. And I think people mistake thinking that comfort zone is um, that you're happy. Like, I think oh, we, it, 100%. it's just, it's familiar. Yes. As Doesn't mean you to, like it
0: necessarily, no, or even it feels it's, good. It, it's just familiar.
1: Yeah. And so when you look at people that potentially stay in um, unhealthy relationships, like domestic violence and things like that, and people can't understand why they don't leave. Um, yeah. But it's because it's comfortable in the sense that it's familiar. It's like, you know, I know what to expect. I know that kind of those those kind of things. Whereas stepping out of that, oh my gosh, what I do? Where am I going to go? How is? When you do put the systems and and find the courage to actually leave, but people stay in circumstances because the fear of the unknown is sometimes scarier than the known, even if it's not healthy, right?
0: Yeah well they that's why they call it the devil
1: that you know 100% 100% and i think people repeat behaviors that they perceive serve them oh for sure so if you're stuck in a space that you think that not speaking up is keeping you safe you will keep repeating that particular behavior right because you perceive oh, yes. that that's what you need to do to be safe or I'm not going to get attached to somebody or I'm not going to put myself out there for that job or I'm not going to because we repeat patterns. You know, I worked in education for a long time and, you know, worked with really complex kids, right? And people used to get offended when kids would swear and, you know, but the reason that kids say F off is because it works. Yeah. Yes. Short term, right? In most instances, if a kid tells you to F off, most of the time you F off, yeah. right? <laughs> So it gets there. So the perceived session is it works, right? Because I got you to go away, right? But short term, short term success, long term damage. Right, right. So it's not about removing that tool because that kid will always have that tool to do that. It's about layering other tools in there and having some better ones in his tool belt and tool box so that, because in that instance, he perceives that keeps himself.
0: Well. This is
1: where doesn't necessarily. Yeah, this
0: is where all of those trauma responses, those you know learned oh, behaviors, sure. they came from a place of it worked once to keep us safe, and that's why. Yeah, and it's just when you get to the point in your life where you can be self-aware enough to know, okay, this thing that served me well in the past no longer is serving me on where I want to go. That's where the real power comes from, I think, for people to to see that,
1: and I think doing that without judging the old version yes I I think that's where we get stuck in oh I'm such a bad person because I used to do it that way or I'm such a bad person because I used to do this or such a bad person but without judgment at one point it served me it no longer serves me and that's okay exactly and I I think that's a power and I think you know I look at you know it's interesting I see a lot at the moment around micromanaging Mm -hmm. in organizational spaces but why do people micromanage because they perceive it keeps them safe right So and again, micromanagement is a perspective, particularly when you've got a strong sense of autonomy. So, you know, people will do certain behaviors, again, professionally, personally, that they perceive works for them or keeps them safe. And we have to reframe that without judgment, right? Because at some point, it did work. Yep. So now it's no longer serving. So what do we need to do to move forward? Exactly.
0: Well, and speaking of moving forward, when you look at what's next for you, where you're going, what do you now believe is possible
1: for your own life? Um, do you know what? I was saying this to someone last year. So I'm in my 40s now and I feel like my life is just beginning. Yes. That's I genuinely all of these things. So I, I'm coming to America next year in May. I'd love to catch up with you when I'm over there.
0: Oh, that's exciting. Where are you going in the US?
1: Yeah. Um I'm doing a book launch in Times Square for a women's entre- uh, it's an entrepreneurial book called The Impact Book. Oh my gosh. Um and but I'm hoping to do a bit of a tour uh around and, and catch up with some different people that I've met along the way.
0: Listen, I need I only need half a reason to go to New York City. So like I I don't need any reason at all. I awesome. I love New York so much. It's one of my favorite cities, but I would love to connect with you while you're here in the States.
1: Yeah, that would be great. But do you know what? If you'd asked me five years ago if I'd go to America to be part of a book yes. launch in Times Square, I would have like laughed at yes. you. Um, but now it's like, yeah, I'm going to Times Square. Yeah, like, cool. And so all of these things, this possibility and opportunity stuff, where I had been holding myself back, and you know, I went and saw Marianne Williamson uh, last oh, year, that's awesome. and you know, her speech, you know, who are you to be great? But who are you not to be? Right? You're you're playing small. Does not serve the world. No. And when we, when we have the intention and the integrity behind our purpose, uh, that al- has allowed me to then open up myself to these opportunities. Because my goal, even in that book launch, is around raising awareness so that I can serve more people more impactfully and powerfully. Um, so that's what's, you know, m- definitely moved me forward in, in being able to do that instead of that um, tall poppy syndrome yeah. piece. And the itty bitty shitty committee, yeah. sometimes it sits in the back of your oh head my gosh. kind of thing. So being able to move forward is that piece to, I'm no longer scared to um, be open to the opportunities and possibilities that they present themselves.
0: That is awesome. Good on you for that, because that is a revelation that a lot of people are not quite there on. And the fact that you were there, that's amazing. And I'm excited for you. The book tour in the United States. That's so
1: cool. And it's now on video that we're catching up in May. So I'm going to hold you. (laughs) Yeah. I'll send you this little bit. Hey, remember we said we are catching up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. May, got it. Yes. Well, and speaking of um, kind of people connecting with you and um, getting to know you more, how can people find you?
1: Yep. So I am on Facebook, Insta, and LinkedIn as Kylie Leota, K-Y-L-E-L-E-O-T-A. Um, and uh, Elements number four success uh, on all of those platforms as well. And my website is www.elements number four success.com.au.
0: Amazing. And I will be sure to include those all obviously in the show notes. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show and be a part of this today. It was
1: such a pleasure to get to know you. Oh, it's been wonderful. I'm pretty sure that we could probably do like uh, one of those back to back, back to back episodes. <laughs> yes, for but, sure. Um, yeah, no, it's been amazing. Thank you.
0: Well, and it's early in your day, so I hope
1: the rest of your day is just as lovely as it started. Absolutely, it's Friday. Yes. Fri-yay. <laughs> uh, so it's the end of the week. Looking forward to. I'm actually doing a half day, which is very unusual for me. So because it's school holidays here. In Australia, so I'm about to go have half a day, so I can go spend some time with my babies.
0: I love it. So it's still
1: Thursday for me, but yes, Friday, I'm, I'm all about it. Awesome! Thank you so much. For, I'm so honored and humbled to have been um being able to be part of this podcast with you. Oh my gosh, my pleasure.
0: Okay, listen. Are you struggling to find what your true purpose really is? You should try journaling. At the very least, it will get you to a better feeling place than where you are right now. I've created a set of journal prompts to get you on your way to discovering who you truly are and where you want to go from here. My free download is called Journal Yourself to Joy, and it's available at shaunalee.com under Free Stuff. These are my tried and true journal prompts that will raise your energy, increase your positivity, and brighten your day. Download yours today.